Life's complicated and overwhelming enough, especially for those in mission-driven work. Let's make your journey to health as simple and sustainable as possible. I'm Lisa Baker, and I want to welcome you to the Simply Health Coaching Podcast, where it's the food, and it's more than the food. On this podcast, we talk about the food that you put in your mouth, and everything else that nourishes you, or doesn't, with special attention paid to the problems and opportunities facing women over 40 burning out in mission-driven work. My vision is a world in which you can be well while doing good. My mission is to give you the simple resources and practices and some helpful connections to get there. Let's get started. This episode is brought to you by my free virtual stress-less program. If you're a team leader, manager, or wear an HR hat, join me for five weeks starting November 7th, 2022. You'll activate five simple, sustainable strategies to start reducing your stress, and you'll get a wealth of resources that you can share with your team. The link to sign up is on my website, simplyhealthcoaching.com, and it's also in the show notes. This episode is dropping on November 8th, 2022, and the virtual stressless program started November 7th, 2022. I just wanted to let you know that there's still time to catch up during this week. If you want to sign up, you'll still get all the emails. Today's podcast episode is part of the introductory call that I hold for this program. And you need to be in the program to get all the activities and the added accountability and support. And I think that this introduction to stress and burnout will be very helpful for a lot of people. And it may also convince you that maybe maybe you should sign up for this program. Um, so I'm just using part of that Zoom call here. And if you want more, make sure you go and sign up for the program. The link is in the show notes. And we're just coming off this conversation about elections and stress. And so it's kind of a good time to talk about how we use the words stress and burnout uh, pretty casually these days. And I think they're kind of right up there with unprecedented and great resignation and quiet quitting (laughs) in the HR field. Um, Stress and burnout are a huge topic right now. And so what the first thing I wanted to do was to talk about what stress is and what we can and can't do about it before we jump into talking about this week's activity in more detail. So if you're willing to either unmute yourself or type into the chat, let me know what stress means. What what is a definition of stress? And if you're not willing to share, I'm gonna dive in and I'm gonna say, uh, I recently was on a call Uh, by another coach who was an RN, and she was saying how stress seems to be sort of this chicken and egg problem, because we sometimes say, you know, how are you? I'm so stressed, which means that you're feeling something. Um, What caused your headache? Stress. So we're using it both as the chicken and the egg. And I want to take a step back from that. Um, Her philosophy was that uh, it, it really is used correctly in both senses, I would argue that 
one of those is incorrect. So a, a few definitions that I love for stress. Stress is a physical, mental, emotional response to a situation, real or imagined, or a thought that makes you feel something negative. Another definition that I really like, stress is the difference between our sense of what is demanded of us and our perceived ability to cope. Why do I love that definition? I love this definition because it talks about our sense of what is demanded of us and our perceived ability to cope. It's not actually saying that what is demanded of us is in fact there because sometimes we imagine that and uh, our perceived ability to cope. Sometimes our perception of our ability to cope is very different from others. Uh, others' impressions of, of a, what we're able to manage. And I don't mean those really sick sayings about, oh, you know, you never get more than you can deal with. No, that's not what I'm talking about. A uh, couple more definitions. Stress is what arises when something you care about is at stake. Mm -hmm. I love that definition. I love that definition because it really puts stress in a positive light. It's not saying you are at the end of your rope. It's saying you care about something. And if you can get worked up about what you're caring about, there's still hope. So stress is what arises when something you care about is at stake. And my the most recent definition I read that I really like is stress is a response to too much external motivation. This comes from a great book called uh, What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. <laughs> and it's a I have mixed feelings about the book. Um, I find it very, um, the, the author is a man and he's very much of this school of just do it, a very masculine sort of driving force, like get over it, step up. Um, and, and I have a, a reaction to that sort of quote unquote self-help. Uh, but I love this line from him because it really brings back to mind one of my least favorite words, which is, as you know, should right? External motivation. I should be doing this. Very often that should is not coming from inside you. It's coming from the media. It's coming from the world around us. And so stress is a response to too much external motivation. And then we're going to step a little bit farther down, further down that road. But men say stimulation, maybe. I'm sorry, say that again, Jane? I would like a, the word stimulation rather than motivation. That's a really good point. External stimulation. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny that you bring that up because, um, total aside, in. You will out for us, won't you? So that we can, I'd like to amend that myself, but that's a good definition, but I'm not happy with the, the motivation. You know, I'm, I have a reaction to the word motivation also. I'm always telling people to stop trying to motivate themselves and starting start to use invitation instead of motivation. So invite yeah. yourself to eat well, invite yourself to move your body. That kind of, that feels much better to me. It's a very different energy. It's not that shoving, pushing kind of energy. It's much more of a we pulling flow. Cells, everything from the smallest to the biggest cell to the enormous, whatever factor, stimulation is what yes. I, I think He's a little off scientifically, but that's okay. That, I like the word stimulation. And I was going to tell you that um, in, in my husband's culture, in Chinese culture, at least 
until we exported all of the worst of our culture over there. Um, when you had a baby, you did not take the baby anywhere for a hundred days and nobody came to see you and mom stayed in bed for a hundred days. <laughs> like there are a hundred days where you reduce all external stimulation. And I thought about that a lot because as an American parent, after I had a baby, you know, I wanted to take her out for a walk. I wanted to like have friends over. And my husband was like, oh no, 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 that's such a bad idea. <laughs> you know? And with my son, he was born two months early. So his nervous system was completely shot. And we definitely observed beyond a hundred days where, you know, we didn't take him anywhere. And I so often see parents with newborns out in these crowds or going to restaurants. And, and I always think, I wonder what that sort of stimulation does to the baby's nervous system. And what is that going to do later to their attention span and their ability to focus and how they manage stress, how they, how, I don't like that word manage, but you know, how, how do they respond to stimulation when they get older, if they're exposed to it? at such a young age. So Jane, I love that suggestion. I think I think perhaps stimulation is a really good substitution there for motivation. So we're gonna talk a little bit more about uh, burnout, which is, I look at it as a spectrum. We start with stress and stress can actually have a positive manifestation. There's something called EU stress, which is sounds weird, but it's spelled like Europe, E-U stress. And it's the positive stress where have you ever noticed that sometimes you don't tackle a job until you're under stress from a deadline? Or you tend to flourish when there is that little bit of pressure. You perform better. So that's a positive form of stress. Not everybody responds to it positively. And then we have acute stress, which we know is, you know, the, the classic example is you're being chased by a bear or a tiger or whatever. That is acute stress. And then when acute stress becomes chronic when we are constantly under bombardment. And Jane, I'm again thinking about that assault of the nervous system with stimulation. Uh, then we reach a stage which is overwhelm. So you may have heard the terms adrenal fatigue and adrenal exhaustion. And those are tossed around a lot. And uh, they're, they're related directly to stress, overwhelm, and then the, the ultimate and the other end of that spectrum is burnout. And the World Health Organization um, publishes something called the International Classification of Diseases. They, in 2019, they published their uh, 11th edition. And uh, so that was May of 2019. And they said this about burnout. They actually included burnout in ICD-11. It was included in 10, but it was very squishy, like not really a good definition. So their, their definition in 2019 was, burnout is a syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. It is characterized by three dimensions, feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion, increased mental distance from one's job or feelings of negativism negativism, weird, or cynicism related to one's job, and reduced professional efficacy. Burnout refers specifically to phenomena in the occupational context and should not be applied to describe experiences in other areas of life. What? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> 
So this is the World Health Organization in May of 2019 saying this, and it's just an occupational phenomenon. Do not talk about burnout in any other context. Boy, did they not know what was coming down the pike, right? Mm -hmm. So this is May of 2019. By November of 2019, I was already tracking COVID in Asia because my husband is in Hong Kong. And I was thinking, well, this is going to play out in a really interesting way. And sure enough, think about what happened in March of 2020 when everything shut down. We suddenly realized that, you know what, burnout is not strictly an occupational phenomenon because, you know, it seems to me the person who walks in the door at work is the same one who comes home at night. You can't just drop your briefcase at the door and be a different person and vice versa. Uh, and I want to I want to take a little detour here into something my best friend in Ann Arbor calls shizostion. So it's spelled like she, zostion. And she says it's it's basically exhausted in a way that only a woman would understand. And so, you know, I would call her and I'd say, how are you? She said, oh, I'm shizostion. <laughs> uh, so 75% of the mental load in a traditional, meaning heterosexual family, is borne by women. Now, mental load is also called cognitive work. And what that means is things like your kids' schedules. Who are your kids' teachers? Who are their friends? When are their appointments? When do their appointments need to be made? Who's driving the carpool? Where are you going? When's the birthday party? Who is it? Who are the parents of the child? Like 75% of that falls on the woman in a traditional family. And check this out, the more full-time we work, the more of it we do. So you would think 75% must go down to 50% if both spouses or partners are working full-time. But no, the more full-time women work, the more of that cognitive load we bear. And the pandemic, of course, made it worse, right? You saw those cartoons about, you know, dad working from home is dad going into the den, closing the door and doing his work as if he were at the office. Mom working from home is mom sitting at the kitchen table with kids all over her, like monitoring homework, trying to do her own work, you know, all of this stuff. So the pandemic, I think, really proved to us that it's not, it is not just an occupational phenomenon. And it definitely does not just affect women, but it affects us more. So what I wanna talk about next is the HPA act axis. So this is, this is where those ideas about adrenal fatigue and adrenal exhaustion are gonna make a little bit more sense. Um, stress is reported by our nervous system. We have all these nerves all over our body. And when we are under stress, our nerves send a message to the brain specifically a place called the hypothalamus. And so that's the H in HPA. Hypothalamus notifies the pituitary gland, which is the P, to let our adrenals know how much and where to send the cortisol. So cortisol is a stress hormone and it's created by the adrenals. So the hypothalamus is sort of smack in the middle of your brain. <laughs> the pituitary is right below it. And then those two regulate a lot of the other parts of the endocrine system. And the endocrine system is insanely complicated because it involves a lot of glands and organs. But you'll very often hear things like HPA axis, HPT, which is the HP thyroid axis. One is uh, HPO, the HP ovary 
uh, axis. So what happens is that the hypothalamus and the pituitary are sort of the command center, and they tell the other parts of the body involved in making hormones and neurotransmitters what to do and when. So cortisol, which is produced by the adrenals, and the adrenals are these two little two little glands that sit on top of your kidneys. If you look at a picture of the, uh, of the human anatomy, there are two little blobs on top of your kidneys, and those are your adrenal glands. And they produce stress hormones like cortisol. And cortisol tells the rest of our body to, to get ready. We're gonna either fight, we're gonna flee, or we're gonna freeze, right? That fight, flight, freeze uh, effect that you hear about. And I've actually heard two more added to this, and I love it. It's all Fs. So fight, flight, freeze, fawn, which is what we do when we people please in response to stress, right? Someone's stressing you out. In, in exchange, you tr you fawn over them. You try to please them. And the other one is feed. <laughs> to rhyme, I've heard appease. Appease, yeah. Yep. But they're all the same. You know, they're fight, the same. Fight, freeze, appease. I like that. <laughs> Yes. So we appease and we feed. Very often we, we feed to, to nurture that away, right? But when we're chronically stressed, which is a lot of the time these days, because of that overstimulation, our bodies cannot handle it. So stress resistance is adrenal fatigue. This is a state in which the body adapts to stress and your cortisol levels are gonna stay high all the time or they're gonna get off schedule. Normally our cortisol, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Function, our cortisol function is in the morning when it's time to get up, our body naturally sends a hit of cortisol. Hey, wake up, it's time. If you ever sleep without an alarm and you suddenly wake up and you're ready to go, that's because your body just sent you a hit of cortisol. Like, okay, it's time to get up. And when that is not functioning properly, you're gonna get those hits all day long. Stress exhaustion, so adrenal exhaustion is a state where your body can no longer continue its normal functions. So adrenal fatigue is your adrenals aren't working the way they're supposed to. Adrenal exhaustion is your body has so much cortisol in it that's going to stop doing the most basic functions. So what, what's really going on? Our functional pattern is cortisol's high in the morning and low at night. And it, it plays this teeter-totter sort of balancing act with uh, melatonin. Melatonin is what makes us sleepy. Cortisol is what wakes us up. And with a normally functioning system, those those play the way they're supposed to. In the morning, you're, you've got cortisol. In the evening, you've got melatonin. If it's dysfunctional, you're going to have the reverse. You're not going to be able to drag yourself out of bed in the morning. And then at night, you've got this really weird wired but tired. Like you're exhausted. You want to go to sleep and you can't because your cortisol levels are too high. And then when you reach the stage of exhaustion, these are the things that shut down. Your digestion and your metabolism get really wonky. Reproduction. So think about how many people in the world right now struggle with fertility and think about stress levels. So when your stress levels are high, your body's like, oh no, we are not adding a baby to the mix. It's a self-defense mechanism to be infertile. Growth. We think about 
you know, beautiful hair, skin, nails. We think that's really essential. Your body's like, oh no, we don't need those right now. We need to just survive uh, and rest. Crazy to think that when you're that exhausted and you need to rest, your body's telling you, nope, you can't rest. You got to survive. You got to stay awake and you become sort of hypervigilant. So the system, the, the symptoms of HPA axis dysfunction, and I'll bet some of these sound familiar, <laughs> fatigue, insomnia, sleep issues, anxiety, depression, brain fog, thyroid dysfunction, blood pressure problems, immune system compromise. Strange, isn't it? Your long-term immune system is going to be shot when you are under so much stress that your adrenals are exhausted. You would think that's a, a self-defense mechanism, but your body is so focused on the now that it doesn't want to think about your immunity 10 years from now. It doesn't care. It's just trying to survive right now. Um, poor blood sugar control, increased abdominal fat, increased appetite. How unfair is that, right? Yeah. <laughs> like these two things, no. <laughs> um, fatigue, especially in the morning and late afternoon. Slow wound healing. Salt cravings. As my friend says, I just got to bite something. <laughs> I've got to get something crunchy. Dizziness, dry skin, low libido, poor muscle tone, poor circulation. Those are all symptoms of adrenal exhaustion. So what is contributing to all this? In addition to all of those stimuli that we have outside of us, poor diet, that is a physical stressor. Medications can be a physical stressor. Inadequate sleep. And isn't that a chicken in the egg problem, right? Shift work. If you work some day shifts, some night shifts, and you constantly make your body wake up and go to sleep at different times, that's a stressor. Electromagnetic fields, including our devices and our Wi-Fi. Environmental toxins, caffeine, chronic and acute inflammation, chronic psychological stress. Clients' perceived stressors vary, right? I have had all kinds of people with different stress. It's all very bio-individual. And when I go through a list like this, it just sounds like, excuse my French, a shit show, right? It's it's really just all this bad news. And it reminds me of, um, if you've read Michael Pollan's Omnivore's Dilemma, he wrote all about why we shouldn't be eating uh, certain kinds of food, like hyper-processed food. And he wrote this huge book about it and it was all bad news. <laughs> And there was a lot of backlash about it. People were just like, oh my gosh, I can't eat anything now. If I eat this, you know, it's killing farmers in Ecuador. And if I eat that, then I'm killing the birds. So people developed this, this um, eating disorder called orthorexia. Like you have to eat so clean that there's nothing you can eat. So I don't want this to turn into that sort of, that sort of a situation where you're like, wow, there's nothing we can do about that. That's too much. So Michael Pollan ended up writing a book, a follow-up book. I wonder if it was just like a big PR thing, right? Like, I'm going to tell you all the bad news, and then I'm going to make you buy another book about the good news. <laughs> but um, so we're going to move on to the good news, because a lot of that is just absolutely terrifying. And uh, it, you both know Suman, so I'm going to say, you know, sometimes we think about what can we do about all this? Suman always says the serenity prayer right? Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So we're going to start talking a little bit about figuring out what you can and cannot change and the wisdom of how to move on from there. 
Um, Eckhart Tolle talks a lot about stress too. And he says that the way to deal with a stressful situation is you have three choices. You can leave it, you can change it, or you can stay and accept it. And that means really accept it. And a lot of people will say, no, that's not really true. Like, I can't really leave my job because I have all these problems and, you know, I need an income, et cetera, et cetera. I get that. But when you think about a lot of other situations, relationships, for example, is there a relationship that you can leave or do you want to try and change it? Or do you want to just say, okay, I'm in it and I'm going to stay even though it's not great. And all of that sounds a little bit too easy. <laughs> so. Um, what I want to tell you is that you already know inside you what you need to do to reverse or prevent burnout. And we often need to be reminded that we already know that. Thanks for listening. Please note that any suggestions provided on this show are not meant to replace medical advice and the opinions of the guests on this show are their own. Simply Health Coaching and Elizabeth A. Baker, LLC, neither endorse nor take responsibility for statements made by guests. Let me know your thoughts about the episode and share your biggest takeaways and aha moments. And let me know who else you want to hear from on the topic of being well while doing good. You can send me a voice message directly through Anchor, as well as some of the other listening platforms. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast in your listening app so you never miss an episode. Love the podcast? You can support it with a donation directly from the podcast homepage in most listening apps. If you'd like to know more about my work, visit my website at simplyhealthcoaching.com. As always, the link is in the show notes.